It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. It's fair to say that the title of this series is the embodiment of an aspirational goal. <laughs> Love like Jesus or at least have a go. Get as close as you can. Um, like that's a high bar, right? And we launched this series last week. Uh, Rob uh, Mason, one of our great teaching team members, taught about Jesus forgives sinners. And one of the most important takeaways that we can uh, grab from that is this idea that forgiven people forgive people. Whilst hurt people hurt people, that we can actually forgive others because we who have committed our lives to become followers of Jesus have actually first been forgiven. And that same release that we've experienced, we can actually uh, release others. And so if you missed that last week and just it was it was powerful it's not one of those messages like you know our prayer team prayed for people and i i'm just guessing some of those people that got prayed for it was about you know wanting more of god's power to help forgive uh, people who have hurt them in the past and just love that so go back you can listen to that on our podcast um, and also wanted to let you know right at the front is that there's a bible plan around this series, Love Like Jesus. So, and we've set that um, in the Bible app in our Elevate Church uh, page, which you can scan this and set Elevate as your church. We've put that in there. Um, It's a 13-day plan. I've started it. Some of our team have started it. And this is a series and this plan works in concert with that as well. It's really all about us increasing our focus on Jesus in the run-up to Easter and really getting a greater appreciation. And, and even if it's like, a, oh yeah, I've, I know how the story ends, yawn fest. Let's never be that people, never be those people. Always be like Jesus, show, reveal more, show me more about what this sacrifice that you did um, means. Now, it's March 2023, I know you know that, Uh, one of the reasons this particular month is significant is that three years ago, uh, this little thing called a global pandemic showed up on basically everyone's radar screen. Um, And uh, so we're now three years later and post-peak covid Uh, around the world. It's still there, but it's obviously past peak COVID. And what's happening is a lot of, uh, there's a lot of analyses taking place. Governments are looking back at their response and trying to learn, you know, what did we do well? Uh, What did we not do well? And how can we better be better prepared for, you know, what's inevitably going to be the next thing at some point in the future? So there's a post-mortems happening in governments, workforces, workplaces are doing that because as many of you know, the, the nature of work changed in many industries around the world. And then there's a lot of social commentary, uh, people actually publishing articles about how the pandemic and the re- responses and lockdowns and mandates and so on and so forth, um, what impact that's had on culture, how culture has shifted 
invariably in many instances. And I remember reading one of those uh, uh, social commentators' articles um, a, a few months ago, and the headline is what grabbed my attention. The headline was this, uh, pandemic has accelerated selfishness. It didn't say it's created it, because I'm pretty sure there was selfishness on the planet before March 2020, but their observation is that uh, that COVID and the responses and everything that's kind of gone with it has accelerated selfishness. That people have come out of lockdowns and, 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 and beyond being told you have to get jabs in your arms and all the stuff that we were told that you can do this, you can't do this, you can exercise, but not more than five kilometers from your house and only once a day and only for one hour. And like, we kind of look back on some of that and think, it sounds a little bonkers, but that was the reality. And that there's a lot of people around the world who've come out swinging. And they're saying, no one is ever again going to tell me what I can and can't do. You're not the boss of me. And this idea that COVID has accelerated selfishness. Well, here's, here's a, a, a Venn diagram that I put up. Uh, and uh, it's about to be color corrected because Bradley's a genius. This is a picture that I have in my mind. Um, you don't want to spend much time inside my head, trust me. But this is one that's actually quite helpful. And it's a very simple Venn diagram in that, that I, this is just me. I, I use this to try and, as I live in our prevailing culture, and every day I live in our prevailing culture, and I have been since I was born, try to identify what aspects of prevailing culture overlap with kingdom culture and then what aspects of kingdom culture don't overlap with prevailing culture. So some overlap and that's great. But one of the, the problems is a, is a goldfish doesn't feel wet because a goldfish doesn't have an alternative frame of reference. Okay. And one of the problems that we face is we live in, prevail, in our prevailing culture. And the longer we live in our prevailing culture, the more everything just is normalized. That's why when you travel to a, a very different a country with a very different culture, you think some things are bonkers. And the, the locals are like, what are you talking about? This is, and, then, and vice versa. So it's, it's very difficult to get this right. It's also very important to get this right because the promises of God are only experienced in kingdom culture, okay? And the reason I'm raising this, having just double-clicked on this idea that the pandemic has accelerated selfishness is that selfishness has no place in kingdom culture. And whilst the pandemic may have accelerated selfishness, God's plan for how his church operates has not shifted one single millimeter. Jesus gave many examples of what living unselfishly looks like, including 
what we now call the Last Supper, but it wasn't called the Last Supper. It's called the Last Supper now because it just happened to be the Last Supper that Jesus did. But it was actually the Passover meal. And Jesus had, like it was Thursday night, 24 hours before Jesus was actually hung on a cross and put to death. He gathered his 12 closest disciples together for this customary Jewish Passover meal. And during that time, he did a profound gesture that reinforced what it looks like to live unselfishly. And I'm going to read what John recorded. When Jesus had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for this is what I am. Uh, now that I'm your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. So I've set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. And very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. It's a choice. So here we are in a pretty developed country. Uh, it's very difficult for us to grasp the enormity of what it meant for Jesus to have washed his disciples' feet. See, there was no paved roads back then. Every road and path was an unsealed one, shared with donkeys, other livestock, etc. And people wore open-toed sandals back then. So when you came to someone's house for dinner, your feet were pretty nasty. Simple as that. And so what was customary that is that the host, when you came in the door, would say to you, great, like let's, let's take care of your feet. Let's wash your feet before we serve the food. It was a bit of a hygiene thing as much as it was also like a gesture of, of the host, you know, being uh, hospitable. The, the catch is, though, that the host would never be the one to have the job of doing the feet washing. It was below them. And when I say below them, the job was given to whoever in that household was the lowest on the organizational chart, a, a servant and even probably in some cases a slave. It was their job. And Jesus, he did that job, he took the towel that a slave or a servant would have used and, and he did what only a slave or a servant would have done. And his disciples, they got that. that this, this is not the job reserved for the Son of God. This is a job reserved for the lowest of the low. There's no adequate, I, I was thinking during the week, how would this compare today? And there's no adequate comparison. I mean, okay, you know, uh, Prime Minister Albanese uh, pops over this Saturday to your house in office to mow your lawn. Yeah, doesn't quite stack up. Uh, Joe Biden zooms in on Air Force One and offers to clean your toilet. Okay, we're, we're getting there, but there's just, there's no adequate comparison for the Son of God having washed your feet as a demonstration of servanthood. And very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed 
if you do them. It's a choice. And we as Jesus followers are actually called to do this in two arenas outside the church, like in the wild, seven days a week. And then also in the context of the church, the the two big arenas. I'm gonna focus more on the context of the church today, but but it's important that we don't overlook the importance of what it means to be a servant in the wild. Last Saturday morning, I did my customary Bunnings run. Louis car's available, I grab the Louis Mobile, I go down to my local Bunnings, which is like a micro Bunnings. I'm going to buy bags of compost. Not really kind of designed to fit on a Vespa. So I get the Louis Mobile, I go to my Bunnings. I know where the compost section is. I grab the trolley at the front. I'm, I'm a, it's a Saturday morning. I'm just gonna do a quick in and out. I'm like, I'm there, I get my bags, scan my flybys card, see you next Saturday. I'm out. So I've got my, my stack of compost bags, 25 liters uh, each, and uh, I'm pushing them up. There's a little ramp that leads out of my Bunnings. So you have to sort of like, you know, it's, it's kind of, kind of, you gotta work for this. You gotta work to get out of there, basically. Um, and, uh, and I'm sort of halfway up the ramp, and in front of me, I, I spot there's a, a lady, probably in her mid 60s. She's got the same stack of compost bags that I've got, so, you know, we, we're thinking alike here. And she's pushing up this ramp, like, you know, I think I can, I think I can. And uh, I'm not convinced she's going to make it. But anyway, she was giving it a a go. Um, And then I noticed like what was probably her mom was with her. She's on like a a wheelie frame. She's probably in her mid to late 80s, I'm guessing. Very frail. And uh, and they both made it to the top of the ramp. You'll be happy to know. So the story's so far so good. Um, And they parked in the the blue disabled, is that Acrod? Anyway, the point is the VIP parking section which is right outside the sliding doors of this Bunnings. And I'm behind them, and and now I've made it up the ramp successfully, even though I had to slow it down a little bit. Lost a bit of traction, a bit of momentum. Uh, I get to the top, and now this lady has her car, her trolley, her mum, her mum's wheelie framey thing, herself blocking the only way you can get out of that Bunnings exit door. And I'm like. So I go full Aaron mode. Aaron is the male version of Karen. I go full Aaron mode. I lit up on this lady because I'm like, seriously, lady? I'm a quick in and out. You are really mucking up my schedule today. I mean, how long... Are you and your frail, useless mother going to be in my way and get those bags loaded and that trolley out of the way so I... No, I did none of that. But, but here's the thing, right? Like, hopefully you're not surprised to learn that that's all fake news. In ter- my reaction, like, thank God he didn't do that. I mean... But you're like, as I'm telling you, like, that doesn't sound like something Mark would do. No, it's not. But, but, but here's the thing. It sounds like something someone would do. It sounds like something that might pop up in your TikTok or your Instagram because someone's got their phone out and they're filming Aaron lighting up on this lady. But instead, you know, 
I unbuttoned my shirt, and revealed the Superman logo, and I said, sweetheart, can I help you in any way? It's fine, you know. And she said, no, we'll be okay. And I, I was surprised that she didn't take my help. I mean, come on. And uh, like at the moment, I'm, I'm like, well, when you finish loading your compost bags, can you follow me to the Louimobile? I need a bit of help myself. <laughs> but, but it's not very heroic. I think that's just like what we should be doing as good citizens of our great nation um, and also as Jesus followers. And in fact, when this is the thing, particularly in our prevailing culture now, when you act unselfishly, when you serve other people, it actually, it, it, I think it's actually amplified more than ever in the history of the world. Like, I think we'll actually surprise people more than it's ever surprised people in decades gone by. Like, really? Uh, and, and actually, and it's not like to be a trick, but it actually has the potential to fast track your building of influence and trust in someone else's life because they get to see that you're not just in this for what you can get out of it. And it's this idea that serving wasn't what Jesus did. Rather, a servant is who... Jesus was and he at this Thursday night Passover meal gave this enormous demonstration of servanthood and then 24 hours later gave the ultimate demonstration of what it means to be a servant by allowing himself to be killed on a cross all right confession time about three years ago Around the time of lockdown 1.0, Louis and I developed a new addiction. Uh, there's a show on TV called House Hunters. Uh, it's produced by the HGTV, Home and Gardens TV Network in, in America. And uh, the, anyone familiar with House Hunters? All right, I mean, don't start, trust me. There's no getting off that treadmill. Um, the premise of the show is that there's a, an individual, a couple, or a family, they're looking for someone, somewhere to move into, a new apartment, a new house. It might be in a new city, it might be in a different state, new country, whatever. And they'll sit down with a real estate agent. This is how the show opens. And the agent asks them, you know, what are you, what, what are you looking for? You know, well, I'm this many bedrooms, uh, uh, we want a, a balcony. Uh, and then they say, okay, how much, what's your budget? Or oh, our budget's this. And then the, the agent, you know, takes them on to, to three different properties and then the end of the show they choose which one that they that they um wanted to you know buy or rent uh, so it's, and and now there is a million episodes there's house hunters asia and house hunters renovation and it, it's a tiny house it's just i mean they're milking this thing i think mean, you know i've probably watched all of them anyways um what you may not know is there's been a spin-off uh called church hunters Anyone familiar with that? Seen that one? Yeah, okay. Here's, here's an episode. Check this out. Previously on Church Hunters. This is your first church. This is Creekside First Baptist. Honestly, right up front, uh, didn't love the name. The Sunday morning experience was just a little too traditional. Hey guys, how we doing? Hey, good. Doing how are good, you? Doing good, doing good. So I know you didn't love the traditional vibe of the last place, okay? Yeah. okay. But I think this church is really gonna do it for you. Yeah. It takes relevance to a whole new level. Behind me, you will see molded clay, jar art, tapestry, canvas, mosaic wow. church. Mm, I love beautiful. it. Right? So you've heard of interdenominational. Mm -hmm. right. And you've heard of non-denominational. Mm -hmm. 
Well, this church identifies as interdenominational. Wow. wow, that's that's perfect for it. us. It really is. But here's the kicker: a lot of celebrities go here. Yeah. What? Jeff Foxworthy. Oh. <laughs> we love him. Yeah. We really do. Ben Higgins from ABC's The Bachelor. Perfect. Several Real Housewives. Ooh. And. Usher even came here one time. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, wow. well, follow me. Come on. Let's do it. So refreshing. Honestly, that last church was just way too traditional. It was yeah. too much. It was like we left there feeling convicted. Like, uh, ugh, right? Right. We're just, we're looking for more of a Tony Robbins type story. Like inspiration, like a TED Talk with a Bible verse. Yes. Oh, yes. Right? It's perfect here. We love it. It really is. We love it. Awesome. Cool. Well, you guys know a lot of contemporary pastors speak out of the Message Translation Bible. Mm -hmm. Right. Or this pastor speaks out of a brand new translation. It's the Tumblr Bible. Shut up. We love Tumblr, though. This is great. A lot of emojis, a lot of abbreviations. Oh, I couldn't ask for one. And how many seats in here? Oh, it is 6,000 altogether. Babe, 6,000. I got to be in this worship band. Imagine me. Up on that jumbotron, mid guitar solo. Do you know how many Instagram likes you get? Oh. oh my gosh! We find it hard to find a church right now because I grew up Catholic. I grew up Baptist, so so like we we drink. Yeah, but in private. I mean, obviously you get it. Basically, in terms of like worship, I think we're looking for like a Jesus culture type feel. Oh, I right. love them. Hillsong, obviously. Oh, leave me to the cross. Hillsong's great. Like a Bethel minus the spontaneous yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Just for me, I connect and worship more when the leader is attractive. Personally, I'm a Carrie Job guy. Oh, okay. Well, she's married. Um, so is Christian Stanfield. Wow. <laughs> so one of my personal favorite things about this church is the service times. Okay. There's an 8.30, a 10, a 1 o'clock, a 5.30, and even a 7 o'clock service. Oh, there's nothing around like 2-ish? Yeah, for us, for what we need, 2, 2.15 is best. Yes. Uh, how many songs do they do during worship? Usually five, five and a half, depending on where the spirit leads. Oh, wow, babe, is that, is that a lot? Well, if that's too that much for you, like... they have a program here called the Worship Assist Program. Okay. So if you ever get tired during worship, an intern will come out and just hold your arms up. You just keep worshiping the King of Glory. Just like that. Wow. I love it. Oh, you can still look super spiritual. And my arms get so tired from yoga. Oh, same. I actually like this church. I think we can make it work. It was all right. I mean, it was it was good, but like I emailed the pastor and he didn't immediately respond. So uh, we're taking these vessels elsewhere. Uh, now, in case you're wondering, that is a fictional uh, show, um, but it but it but it but it could very well be a camera following people around who are church hunting. And I know this because I meet people who are church hunting every week, which is great. We, we, you know, we somehow, every week we have people church hunting show up here. Uh, we made the list. Um, and I asked them, like, what's, your, what's on your wish list? I'm the, you know, I'm the real estate agent guy in this scene. And uh, look, if they've got kids, it's quite common. They said, well, you know, we want to, looking for a church with an effective kids ministry. I get that. That sounds like a great motivation. Um, if uh, one of the, the, the responses that I'm hearing more and more is connection, if you're looking for connection, not a show, I'm like, great, that's, uh, yeah, okay, perfect, you know. Um, but by Jesus' standard, <laughs> the gold standard answer would be, I'm looking for a church where I can use the gifts and talents and passions and experiences that God's allowed me to have and be used in service of Him. I know, right? 
And I have never heard someone give me that answer in 25 years as a professional Christian. And I'm not saying that cynically, but I'm just saying this is the idea. That's the gold standard. See, here's where the house hunter's metaphor actually falls away is that when we're looking to get planted into a church, we're not actually, the the transaction isn't to to, uh, occupy something that's going to meet our needs. The gold standard is to plant ourselves somewhere where we can be used by the King of Kings to reach people and build people. That's the gold standard. And this has played out strongly in my life. Doesn't mean I'm perfect by any stretch, but I grew up in the Catholic Church, a bit like the girl in the show that drinks. Um, And uh, if you're not familiar with the Catholic uh, model, basically the model is that the people come and watch the priest do the things, okay? And this is observation, not criticism, but that's that model. And in my early 20s, I, 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 that's, that, that model started to really jar with me, that I started to ask the question, aren't, uh, well, I started to read my Bible, I think was probably the jump off point. And uh, I read this and other things like it. Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus that Jesus handed out gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist and pastor teacher. These are like the, the, the big wigs in the church. But here's why. Not to do the things, rather to train Christ's followers in skilled servant work, working within Christ's body, the church, until we're all moving rhythmically and easily with each other, efficient and graceful in response to God's Son, fully mature adults, fully developed within and without fully alive like Christ. I wanted in on this deal to move from spectator to getting in the game. Leave the stands and jump on the playing field. In fact, I, we now have the language to move from consumer to contributor. And it's very much informed our code here as Elevate Church, which we literally say one of the things that embodies us as a church is that we're contributors, not consumers. And in fact, if you scroll down to uh, this on our website, it's going to say this below, you read this, our personal preferences, we're not saying that they're unimportant, but that they take second place. That the church doesn't exist for us, duh, we are the church. And we exist for the world. We invest our time and money to see our mission fulfilled. See, a consumer asks the question, what's in it for me? A contributor says, God, please use me. Very different perspectives. And here's the thing that I it's a bit of a head scratcher to me. See, God created the heavens and the earth by merely speaking them into existence, right? So, therefore, theoretically, God could build His church and see His ultimate mission fulfilled by simply speaking it into existence, job done, game over, see in heaven. And yet He doesn't. Take it up with Him, can't explain why not, but He doesn't. In fact, the mechanics are that Jesus said, I will build my church with you and me on the front lines 
as contributors, not consumers, being you, I mean, being you, being called, chosen, hand picked by the creator of the heavens and the earth. Like, I'm like, are you sure? Mark, I want you to do this in my kingdom. Are you sure? Have you read my resume? It stinks. You knew what I did last summer. Yeah, and in your 20s, and it? Are you sure? Yeah, yes, I'm sure. I'm not looking for perfect people. In fact, our greatest ability is availability. It's saying, God, here I am, send me. What's the assignment? Send me. And so we don't here as a we don't talk about. Um, uh, so anyway, uh, we need more helpers in the in the host team. Can anyone help, please? Because that's not the premise here. The premise is that we as leaders and in our church, we're to provide opportunities and training and equipping so that people can actually find their fit and be contributors and, and, and actually get a clearer understanding of, I think I just figured out another piece of the puzzle as to why I'm here. And, and I just mean like here on earth, I mean like here in Perth, here at Elevate Church, and yeah, this being used by God stuff, it's super fulfilling, like, Super fulfilling. But we only know that if we take that next step. And so cue the Jared as to what that might look like for you. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and also download our Elevate Church AU app.